in everything, in everything, give thanks. That's we, you know, we reserve that a lot of times just for Thanksgiving, and uh, but we should be thankful every day. I mean, it's there's always you know uh, difficulties and things that go on in our life it should never erase our thanksgiving to the Lord because it doesn't matter what else happens in this world. God's still been good to us. He still saved us and filled us. And so there's always something to thank God for, you know. And so I, I want to make sure that I never forget to thank him. Uh, I've said this before, but one reason, especially in services, is that because before uh, the miraculous happened many times in, uh, in the ministry of Jesus, he would give thanks. And then the miracle would, would happen. And, and so I, I want to see the miraculous. I want to see uh, people touched and blessed and fed and changed. And uh, so I give thanks to him because anything that happens today, it'll be through him. Praise God. Love him today. Uh, we're going to continue in our lesson. And um, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn. We'll be reading from Isaiah chapter 6. In verses 5 through 8, we talked about the, the, our lesson uh, series is called Marked, like we have been marked, and um, we talked about how that the Lord would mark us and use our testimony. Last week we talked about that, uh, how that Jesus had the marks in his hands, his feet, his side, and those marks were used to create faith and belief in his disciples. And, and so God has marked us as well and that we can um, use those marks, use our testimony um, of what we've been through to help others and instill faith in others. And today we'll continue uh, in that. But in Isaiah 6, 5 through 8, uh, Isaiah speaking here after he has seen this great vision in the year that King Uzziah died. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. He laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And today we're going to talk about being marked for a calling, being marked for a calling. Let's, let's pray together this morning. Lord, we love you and praise you today. Thank you for goodness and mercy. Lord, thank you, Lord, for calling us, Lord, out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, today, let this word find good ground in our heart. Encourage us, strengthen us, make us better today, God. And we can serve you as we should. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord another hand clap before you're seated. Thankful for the word of God this morning. And I'm thankful for a calling that God has put on our life. You can be seated this morning. And so, marked for a calling there's uh, in, in our ideas, the series idea, uh, there's part of it that always follows in each lesson. And in this one, it, it requires us to 
uh, humbly present ourselves before God as broken and flawed. Now, a lot of people have a hard time admitting that they have something that needs work. Nobody wants to be seen as broken or flawed, but the the fact of the matter is, is that we are in, we live in fallible flesh. Uh, we uh, war in this flesh. We battle in this flesh. We, uh, you know, you make you you just live in this flesh. And I, I I'm not one person who believes in making the excuse, well, I'm only human, because I believe that we are. Uh, well, I know we're human, but I do know that we have uh, something inside of us that helps us overcome and can defeat our flesh, doesn't mean we win every battle. Doesn't mean we always come out on top in every battle. Um, if you think you're going to win every battle, more power to you. I hope you do. But there are times when we're going to make mistakes and we're going to fail and we're going to fall. But as we said a couple of weeks ago, when we fall, it doesn't have to be the final answer. That doesn't have to be the end of us. So we present ourselves before God not as we're something we're not. We have to recognize I am broken and flawed. You don't go before God and say, I have got this. You want me because I've got it all together. <laughs> and he'll be like, you are exactly what I don't want. He said, I came to, uh, to call the sinners to repentance, not the righteous to repentance. And so uh, you come before him and it's like the, the story, the parable of the Lord said there were two men standing in the synagogue praying. One, you know, I'm glad I'm not like this guy over here. I tithe, I fast, I do this, I do that. I, whoo, here I am, Lord, look at me. And the other guy said, wouldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven, just said, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so, and, and he said, and that man went to his home justified rather than the other. It's okay to come before the Lord. It'd be like if you were going to a doctor and you knew this was going on in your body and you doctor said, well, how you feeling? I'm fine. Oh, well, why are you here? I, was, you know, I don't know. Just thought you needed another patient. I just want to give you some money. I'm just here. Well, how you been feeling? Feel good, really. Feel really good. It's like you were scared to tell him that. Well, I've been having a headache. Oh, because you think he's going to diagnose something that's terminal for you. It scares you. So uh, you don't want to give him any ground to work with. Well, it's like I think we're afraid to let God know, but see, he already knows. We're saying, you know, hey, God, I, I am struggling with my flesh, and I am struggling with forgiveness or with bitterness or with self-doubt. You know, it's just... I'm, I'm, I'm troubled right now, and he knows that. The Bible says we cast our care upon him because he cares for us. And, and so that's part of this. It, it, uh, getting somewhere with God will never work if you try to put up a wall and act like there is nothing wrong with you, that you have no need. Uh, but when we do that, uh, when we present ourselves like that, just like, here I am, this is the mess I am, Lord, but that's what he wants. And so when you do that, uh, he will cleanse us and he will anoint us and he will uh, mark us for a calling. He will anoint us to proclaim his word. Now, don't let that make you think everybody, you mean we're all supposed to be preachers, but we're all supposed to be proclaimers of, of the, the good things that God has done. That's part of your testimony. But 
sometimes without even telling about your testimony, it's still the right thing to do to tell someone about Jesus and what he did to proclaim his word, to tell what it says in his word, to stand up in this day and hour for his word, marked for that calling. And that's uh, where we found uh, Isaiah uh, presenting himself humbly and flawed before the Lord. But it's like that for all of us, not just prophets, not just the the people who are, uh, you know, that have not just the big name people, not just for David and Abraham and uh, Samson and different ones. You know, it's not just for that. It's for the people who are unnamed in the scripture, the people that that don't really, uh, you don't really know much about them, but it doesn't matter. Everyone, uh, you know, we have a, a calling on our life to uh, shine the light, shine the gospel. And that's what Paul said something. Uh, this scripture actually wasn't in the original lesson, but it reminded me, um, uh, all of this was it, but Paul gives us in 2 Corinthians a great example or description of what our life, part of what our life should be summed up to be, what we are called to do and how we are referred to. You know, we, we say the scripture, we quote this little part, how we have a treasure in earthen vessels. And a lot of times we say, well, it's the Holy Ghost. It's in this earthen vessel. And that is true. It is a treasure and it's in this earthen vessel. But that's not exactly what Paul was talking about when he wrote that in 2 Corinthians. And in, so in 2 Corinthians 4, in verse 1, this is what Paul, now writing to the church, he's not writing to, uh, the, at, he's not at the minister's meeting. He's not talking to the district board. He's talking to the saints in the church. He said, therefore, seeing we, he's writing this letter to the church. It'd just be like I'm talking to you all. I'd be saying like, we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And now start listening real good right here. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, unless or lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ so we're the light of the world. And that light, that glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we don't preach ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That light is the gospel, and that light has been given to each one of us. The glorious gospel of Jesus Christ is why you're here today. Uh, there are many things that we will say in this life, but without the gospel, they would not mean anything. You know, you could, you could say, hey, people who don't even believe in God can say, hey, you know, I went to this program and it helped me break this addiction and I'm better. God's not getting the glory. They're just thinking, well, this is what happened. It was, it was a man-made thing. It happened man See, nothing's happening there. But when somebody uh, is delivered, 
miraculously from an addiction or from a problem or something going on in their life and you start telling it was because of Jesus who died for my sins and washed me in his blood and filled me with his spirit. He came and he helped me and he gave me power to overcome. And see, now God's getting the glory and the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, that light is beginning to shine out. And that calling is for each of us. When, but, and, but we don't have that to share if we don't present ourselves as broken and flawed before him, if we don't come humbly in repentance saying, I need work. Uh, if I don't go telling him I need work, he's not going to work on me, and then I have nothing to tell that God has done. If I never let him work in my life, how can I testify? How can I tell somebody, oh, well, you go to church all the time. Yeah, but God ain't never done nothing for me. Oh, then why do you go? <laughs> why? Because it's fun. Hey, a lot of people go to church because it's fun. A lot of people go to church because they want other people to think they're all right. But a lot of people and most people, I hope, come to church because they know they need the touch of the master. I hope that people come to church and sit down because they know I need something that the world can't help me with. I need to come present myself before the Lord and let him change me, fix me, work on me. I cannot fix it. You, and I'll tell you now, you cannot fix those things on your own. Your best friend cannot fix those things for you. Mama and her good cooking can't fix those things for you. Oh, somebody, oh, if I could just get a bowl of her chicken and dumplings, I'd be all right. Well, you might be full, but you won't be all right. It don't make it go away. Listen, we need Jesus to fix the things that are going on in us. But Paul wrote to the church here, he said, all of us now, because he knows we were all flawed, busted up, broken, no good vessels. And now the light, the glorious light of Jesus Christ is shining out of us. And that's what's going to change the world. That's what's going to reach your friends and your loved ones and your family is let them see because they know you. They already know who you are jacked up. You are messed up. I, but I don't know, but you're just smiling and going, got this joy on your face all the time. Uh, what's that shining out of you? That's the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the difference that Jesus makes. There was a, a an evangelist, uh, I say evangelist, a writer, preacher that, Told a story when he was in school at um, uh, it was then it was Gateway College of Evangelism now it's Urshan and he he was there and they had a Wednesday night service and the professor had a big vase and he was using it in a demonstration. Well, he knocked the vase over and it broke in several pieces and one of the students cleaned it up and he said, "I'll I'll get rid of this for you." Well, the professor thought he was just going to throw it away and didn't think anything else about it. Nick. The next week, they come in, and the, the kid had glued the pieces back together, um, but some of it was broken beyond being able to fix back, but he had it enough for a solid piece, and he put a lamp on a stand in the middle of the sanctuary, and he took that vessel, and he set it down over the top of it. And they said all over the sanctuary, you could see light shining, hitting different points of the wall in different places. It was just beautiful. And said, so that's the way we are is that we have been broken, but there's something inside of us, and that's how people see the light, is when we don't try to act like, hey, we got it all together. You know, I mentioned this about Paul the other day. He said, 
I, I'm not telling you I have apprehended or that I have already attained, but I'm reaching forward. And he, he knew he had flaws. He knew uh, that he had done things in his life that weren't right, and he knew that people still knew that. But to see him now preaching, now they see the persecutor preaching, and they realize, hey, something's happened. Well, what was he preaching? He was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and salvation. So uh, they saw that shining through those, those broken places. So we, we've got to stop trying, trying to act like nothing ever happened in our life. We have a testimony, and God has put us together. And, and hey, guess what? Born-again, blood-bought, spirit-filled people have problems. We have struggles. We have things that we go through that uh, we're like, man, if God don't help me now. He don't just help you once at the altar and then say you're on your own from here. <laughs> you know, he's going to make sure that he's there for you every step of the way. And uh, it's just up to us not to quit. It's up to us not to throw in the towel. It's up to us to realize that when we are shattered, he can put us back together, make a vessel for us. Uh, you know, people thought, well, that vase that got broken that service, it was no good for nothing. But look what it showed people. Uh, he put it back together and, and let that light shine out of it. And sometimes we feel like we have been shattered. And, man, it, we, we're just not any good for anything. But the light's shining out of you. The light's shining through you. And people can see that, wow, that broke you. But look at the light that's shining, that te- the light of that testimony of Jesus Christ shining out of you, how that you're still going. Man, you're still, you've overcome, you've, you've beat that, you've put it behind you, but the marks will always be there. And so uh, it's, it is, our, our testimony and the gospel do go hand in hand. And uh, when we will just say, here I am, Lord, this is me, uh, when we let the gospel fix us and let the gospel take care of us, it will take care of us in that glorious light, that glorious light that will shine uh, through us, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I, I do believe, you know, we have these treasures in earthen vessels. We have the Holy Ghost. Sure we do. It's there. It's in this earthen vessel. But the greatest treasure, that, that gospel, that, that the reason we have the Holy Ghost is because of the gospel. But we, we can't. So I'm going to get the Spirit and then throw the gospel out. No, we live every day by the gospel. That's, that's who we are. And Paul said, this is the church. And when, uh, when it's inside of us, it becomes the core of who we are. It, yes, it's the spirit that bears witness. Well, Jesus said the words I speak are spirit and life. His words, the gospel is spirit. And so when the spirit is inside of us, it's in the core of us. It makes us who we are. And when people look at us, they see the light of the gospel of Christ shining out of us. And that's what we want them to see. You know, Paul was writing this letter. This is in the second letter. He had a lot of problems. He was the, really the pastor of this church. He started this church in Corinth. And his first letter, he was writing to him. Things were going on, all kind of crazy, ungodly things. And then in this second letter, he had to be a little harsher in his tone with him. And, and, and he said, you know, I made you sorry, but I'm not sorry because you sorrowed unto repentance and you started getting things right. And, but it was, he was weeping and, and writing this letter and, and, and just you could feel the emotion that he, uh, it's because I love you so much that I'm doing this and, and I want you to change. I want you to be better and I want things to, to work out in your life. And that's what he's trying to remind them of. 
that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He went on to say that in the next chapter. He says, you know, when you're in Christ, you're a new creature. And so you're going to shine different. There's going to be new things happening in your life, things that people can see. The old things are passed away. All things are made new. And all things are of God. So that's, uh, you know, we, we quote 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Well, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. And we... But it also says, old things are passed away. And I'm not changing the word of God, but I'm going to say this. Old things must pass away. If old things pass away, then old things need to be buried. (laughs) When something, you know, passes away, you bury it. Now, I've seen people do weird stuff and get, they have a pet that passes away and they stuff it and set it on the mantle. Not happening. I love my dogs, but I'm not, not stuffing them and putting them on the mantle. They pass away, and we'll bury them out there in the field. That's where they're going to be. I'll, re- I'll remember them fondly, but I will not have to dust them. <laughs> I've, I've, I've fed them for far too long and, and, and cleaned up my family. Well, we've done that. So that's it. That's where it stops. But when old things pass away, you bury that stuff, and it's, and it's gone, and it's uh, it's not there anymore because you're not that uh, you're not in that life anymore. But then he went on to say, "And all things, he said, all things are made new. Now all things are of God. We need to start replacing things in our life with godly stuff. You know, before you know, before you know, we probably didn't pray. Well, now there should be prayer, and, and we didn't worship. There should be worship, and and yeah, it does apply to our." Uh, outward lives a lot of people say well you just man you got God in your heart live like you want to he don't care just get him in your heart do what you want to do I mean I know people that says man you can uh man you can just snort coke and and do drugs and drink and carry on and God will still take you to heaven when he comes you don't even have to think about it if you you know once you say you're saved you're always saved and that's the end of it that's a sad, terrible life, and that's a sad way to live, number one. That is shining no light for God. There's no gospel in that. There's no change in that uh, happening. Uh, but there are things that all things are of God now, new things, stuff we ought to be doing. We should consider what we do, where we go, what we watch, what we listen to. We should. We need to. How do we present ourselves in this world? Do, you know, we have to be careful. The Bible says to abstain from the very appearance of evil. We have to, that's because we're not supposed to be associated with evil. So, uh, so we, uh, sometimes people call us extreme or they want to start saying, well, you're being legalistic and, and things like that. No, I'm just trying to line up with the word. I would rather line up with the word than line up with the world. I, I don't, I don't, I don't have to, to act like the world to win the world. That, they don't need another imitation. They need the real thing. They need to see somebody who has been changed uh, and somebody who has been filled and is walking different and talking different and acting different. Uh, you know, if, you are, if, you're, if you're no different than you were after you, you said, well, I came to the altar and, man, I, I, I went and got baptized and everything, but you're still living the same way. Nothing happened. So we need to make sure that uh, number one, I think what happens a lot of times is people don't understand the, pre- the, the premise of repentance, number one, is that they want to go straight to the water. I want to get, I just want to go get baptized. If, it, if, it'll, if that's where I can wash my sins away, just take me to the water. 
but you've got to die. Baptism is burial. I'm not going to bury you alive. You've got to die. You've got to repentance. It's where we die out to the old life where I'm like, I'm, I'm putting this stuff down. I'm, I'm dying to this. I'm repenting. That's death. Baptism is burial. The filling of the Holy Ghost, that's new life. That's resurrection. And so we walk in the newness of life. So uh, we need to make sure people understand the, the premise of repentance. That, hey, you need to die out to some things in your life before you start trying to live a new life because you're going to be in a terrible conflict. There's, there's already going to be a war in your members. Your body's going, your flesh is going to resist it, but you don't want the old stuff to still be there fighting you every step of the way. It's, it's time to let it go. All things are of God. And so I want to make sure that uh, what I've tried to make sure and what i made sure of myself and, and have done my best over the years is that, that I... Do not find myself, when I look in the mirror, that I see the man that was buried many years ago. I want to make sure that I don't see him rising up in me, in my actions, in my thoughts, in my words, in the things I do. I want to keep my flesh under subjection. And, and so Paul was saying that as a Christian church, as the, the people of God, this is who we are. We have a calling to shine this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ but they won't see that light if we don't change, if we don't let it change us, don't let it inside. If it gets inside, it's going to change you because out of the heart are the issues of life. And out of the heart, that's why we uh, are requested and commanded to keep our heart with all diligence, to make sure that we don't let anything else get in the heart. God gave us a heart transplant. I'm going to take out that stony heart and put in a heart of flesh. So I'm going to take that old, rough, uh, rugged heart out of you that's uncaring, unfeeling, and put this heart of flesh in you. You will walk in my ways and keep my statutes. That's what he said in Ezekiel. He said, you'll, you'll walk in my ways and be my children, be my servants. But it's impossible to live like that without that heart transplant. You can't do it. And so uh, he also said in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, the, the first verse, he said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Well, we've been called to be saints. He wrote that in the beginning of some of his letters that we were called to be servants uh, of the Lord. There's many things that being a child of God, uh, there are many hats that we could say we wear maybe. But uh, so we are called out of darkness in the marvelous light. But he said, you need to walk worthy of the vocation of wherewith you're called. So uh, God called you out of darkness to go into his marvelous light. He called you to walk in the newness of life. He called you to, to let the glorious light of the gospel of Christ shine out of you. He called us into so many different things, and we need to walk worthy of that. We should not frustrate that grace that God shed on us, uh, he, the sacrifice that he made. Uh, I surely don't want to live a life that does not show my appreciation for what he did. I know I can't earn my salvation. I can never pay him back for what he did. But he said, if you love me, here's how you show it. You don't just say it. You keep my commandments. That's what Jesus said. He said, I, I do love the Lord. Okay, well, I'm just saying, let's go by what Jesus said. If you love me, keep my commandments. And so I'm trying to keep his commandments. Uh, uh, well, which ones? Well, all of them. It's all his word. So I'm just trying to keep all of it that, that applies to us. And so um, 
Paul said you need to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. We've been called uh, into this. And then he goes on to say in verse 11 and 12, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We cannot think that we do not have a purpose in this life for being saved. They say, well, I'm, I'm not a pastor. Well, you might not be, but you might be a teacher. Well, wait a minute, I don't have no little desk or no, no card, no diploma. Uh, he told his people in the beginning, he said, all these words I give you, he said, you're going to teach them to your family. There were teachers in the house. Parents were teachers to their children. Grandparents were teaching. It's, it's, that's teaching people. And guess what? God will put something in you so you can tell your kids or tell your brother or your sister or your aunt or your cousin or your schoolmates or your work uh, co-workers, whatever they might be. You might just be a teacher. If you're waiting on a card to get busy doing things, you're going to be waiting a long time. <laughs> you know, men started handing out cards so we could identify with an organization. But when the calling comes, it comes from him. Now, don't get me wrong. I love my organization. I'm proud to be a licensed minister with them, but I was preaching long before I got that, that card. And so uh, when God saved me and filled me, I was telling people about it, letting it go. I was, and what little bit I knew, you know, some people can, could go into school and they could teach any subject. That's how they are. But some people, like, what do you teach? I teach math 101. Not calculus, not nothing, not algebra, nothing. Math, one plus one is two. Maybe a little bit of division. That's it. That's what I do. And so that's the way I was at the beginning. I had all I could tell them was what I know. I was like that man that was healed, that was blind in the book of John. Hey, I can't tell you whether he's a sinner or not. I can tell you what I know. I woke up this morning blind, but I can see you. All I know is I was blind, and now I see. And people say, what happened to you? I don't know. I went down to the altar, and I was shaking and trembling and crying and squalling and praying. And, man, all I know is I felt what happened. You felt it? I felt it. It's like I said, I don't know what a woman feels like when she's carrying a child and baby's turning flip in her stomach. I said, but something was turning flips inside of me and moving and going. I said, I don't know. I said, all I know to say is it was God. I said, that's, that's one word. It was God. That's how I just tell them. And then they started seeing, hey, something did happen because he's talking. You know, he's not like he was. I, I can't go into any details because I was awful. And uh, they're like, but he's not so awful anymore as awful goes in that, uh, that group. And he don't go here no more, don't go there no more. He's not talking about going here, picking this up after work. He just... All he does is talk about going to church. They brainwashed you. I didn't get your brain. Hey, I didn't get brainwashed. I got blood washed. I got completely washed. Mind, spirit, body, all of it. Just all of it was changed. Old things passed away. Now things were made new. So Paul said, uh, the Lord has done it. He said, when he said he gave, he wasn't talking about another man. He said, God gave. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, for the perfecting of the saints, work the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The church is only going to be as good as the ministries inside of it. 
No, we can't do it without him. But he gave ministries for the perfecting of the saints. And if we neglect, and see, that's the thing. I don't like no man-made ministries. Well, I don't want no man-made ministry, but God-made ministry and put it in the church so the church could be everything it needed to be. And so when you're like, I don't like preachers, I don't like ministers, I don't like nobody. You sad. It's awful. It's terrible to be you. Uh, But when you can recognize that God has anointed and called and put people, and guess what? I can't believe they preaching because I know how they used to live. How they used to live. That's the key phrase there. How they used to be. Uh, Or Paul said it like, and such were some of you. And so, yeah, let me tell you, the the pulpits are full of, of broken and flawed people that they're only there because God put them together and gave them the testimony and anointed them and called them. And he just like Isaiah when he said, man, I am undone in front of the Lord. He said, Ooh, when he saw God, anything he thought about God went out the window because he saw God the way he was sitting on the throne. Now, this is what's so cool. God's a spirit. Spirit don't see it. But he said, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. There's a very similar uh, passage of Scripture in the book of Revelation. And John said, and I beheld a throne and one sat on the throne. We know who he saw. He saw Jesus Christ. And it was, Isaiah was seeing into the future and was seeing the Lord. uh, And it was the the Lord that gave the disciples, the apostles, the commission saying, go and preach repentance and remission of sins in my name again in Jerusalem. He gave them the commission. It was the same Jesus that gave Isaiah that commission, he said, who will go for us? Here I am, Lord, send me. Fantastic. And this was a man who said, at first, once he saw the Lord, he said, anything I thought about him, he said, this is him, and whoo, this is me. Woe is unto me. Now, see, Isaiah had already in the previous chapter pronounced several woes against Israel. That word woe is like doom and destruction, and and, uh, he had already pronounced these woes. The thing was is, Isaiah was comfortable pronouncing woes against other people, but he was, didn't see the woe that was in himself until he got in the presence of this holy God. And when he got in the presence of this holy God, he said, woe is me, for I am undone. When something's undone, it's, I'm unraveling. <laughs> I'm coming apart at the seams. Uh, anything I thought I was is, going, is just falling apart, and I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. Hey, lips are very vital to a prophet because he's always speaking. And he said, but I'm not adequate right now to do what God wants me to do. And so here, this is me. And immediately here comes this seraphim with a, that live coal and touches his lips, and he says, now, your uh, iniquity is cleansed, your sin is purged. And, and once he was changed, he was, he was all right to say, here I am, send me. Because now I can tell somebody about how God can take an undone, unclean person and make something great out of them. And I can proclaim now this word of God, say this is what happens when you get in the presence of that holy God. He's not there to slam you and kill you and destroy you because you're undone or unclean. He wants to 
purge you and cleanse you. He, he cauterized that wound of sin that Isaiah had. And yes, when you put something hot on a wound, it'll cauterize it and stop it and heal it. And, and when Isaiah uh, pronounced that wound he had, hey, I'm undone, I'm unclean lips, well, you're better now. Jesus can make you better now. But you can't act like it. you can't go into him saying, oh, I'm good, Lord. You're going to leave the same pitiful, broken person you were because you, you couldn't say, fix me. I'm tired of this. Fix me. I'm sorry, God. I, I unclean lips. I'm sorry for my thoughts. I'm sorry for things I've said or done. I'm, I'm sorry that I've acted like such a, a, a fool in your presence. But here I am. This is, this, this is me. But once, once he's done, you're ready to here I am. Send me. I've got something to tell now. I can tell people what the Lord can do. I can tell people how he can change us and how he can fix us. And that's what he did uh, to Isaiah. He fixed him. That, that woe that Isaiah proclaimed upon himself is what changed his life. That woe was his woe of repentance. Here I am. I'm undone and I'm unclean. Uh, my eyes have seen. Uh, I recognize this now because I've seen the Lord. And that's what the Lord said. The Lord's good, and the goodness of God leads us to repentance. And uh, we will uh, despise ourselves in his presence. We'll, or the scripture says you'll loathe yourself once you see all the goodness that God Because whether Isaiah could realize it or not, God had been good to him. You know, when you come to repent, and you God blesses you in the altar, and you, you're bad, that's not the first time God's been good to you. If he wasn't good to you, you would have never got there. <laughs> but you, you don't recognize it until you find that place of repentance. And then you realize, God was good to me when I didn't know him, when I didn't acknowledge him, when uh, I was not serving him. God was good to me then. And it is the goodness of God that he did not destroy me or kill me because of my foolishness, but instead he just loved me and forgave me and fixed me and healed me and filled me and then sent me to tell somebody else this is what a holy God can do. Well, I tell you, I'm thankful that God has put something inside. We've got something to tell now. Uh, you know, who will go for us? Here I am. And if God's done something in your life, that's you. You should be just by raising a hand. It used to be an old TV show we used to watch. Uh, Welcome back, Cotter. You ever watch that? I'm sitting tell my age. But when the teacher would ask something, that, that one guy, he'd be like, ooh, 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 ooh. That ought to be the way you with the Lord. Who will go? Woo, woo, woo. Hey, right here. Why you want to go so bad? Because let me tell you what he did for me. Boy, when he does something, well, you want to tell somebody about it. You want to tell them this is what God, and when you see somebody and you can recognize people that are in the same boat that you were in, and you're like, man, I'm telling you how to get out of this trap right now. I can tell you how to get out of this mess. I promise you, you ain't going to believe it. Look, I know I, I don't look like it, but I'm going to tell you that I used to be you. I used to be you. Yeah. God will do it. 
God will call you out of darkness into marvelous light. God will shine that glorious light of the gospel through you. And other people will be changed because of you. One of the, I know I'm running, running low on time here. But, you know, we are so busy looking at who we were that we forget who we are. You know, I mentioned this briefly with Paul, what he said in uh, 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1, in verse 2, this is how he starts his letter off. I think I gave you that, sis, back there. He says, unto the church of God, the Bible says God purchased the church with his own blood, so unto the purchased, to the church of God at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in everlasting, in every place, man, I'll tell you them words behind me is messing me up, in every place, and upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. We have to go back to them plain black screens. These eyes can't handle that. But look what he said. This is who he's writing to. Saints, the church. Tell them who they are. Sanctified, saints, set aside for a purpose. That's who they are. And then he reminds them in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 9 through 11, don't you know that unrighteousness can't inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, not thieves, not covetous, not drunkards, not revilers, not extortioners, none of these shall inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. He's just reminding them of their, what God has done. He, said, he's not saying, he didn't say, and such are some of you, such were some of you. How did we go from are to were? You're washed sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. That came through the gospel, that new birth, born of water, born of spirit. It said, now that's why you're different. That's why we can say such were some of you. But at the beginning, he just addresses them for who they are. You're the church. You're sanctified. You're saints. That's who you are. It doesn't mean just because you're a saint that you don't have a problem. It doesn't mean just because you're part of the body that you don't have issues. You don't have struggles. You still do. But when this gospel gets inside of you, when you obey the gospel, repent, baptize in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins and fill the Holy Ghost, death, burial, resurrection, all in repentance, baptism, and and spirit filled. Listen, when you do that, you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified. And that's who you are. And God can show people. Now you can reach others who were like or who are like you were. But you've got to remember who you are and quit worrying about who you were. If Jesus really did it, you are not that person anymore. You may have to tell yourself that day after day. When that temptation comes, I am not that person anymore. When there's, if it's a struggle with uh, some kind of problem or addiction and it's, that temptation hits, I am not that person anymore. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Remind yourself that I am not that person anymore. Do you think that I have not had the opportunity if, in, in my lifetime since I came into the church to, to revert? Sure, just like anybody would. But I will... I am not that person anymore. That's not 
who I am. I don't go there. I don't do that. That's not me. Jesus changed me. Whoever's playing real good, come on up to the music. We'll get ready to finish up. And then, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul was one of the, I guess out of uh, so many people, I guess because he's New Testament, but he's just uh, the, who he was, that persecutor turned preacher. That's who he was. But this is uh, when, and I'm going to just briefly, you can stand with me. Uh, in Acts chapter 9, you'll read the story of Paul's conversion. And if you read, you'll know how that he stood by, held the coats of the men uh, who stoned Stephen to death. And uh, he had letters where he could arrest saints and lock them up and you know, do whatever he had to to get them to recant, to, to go against the word of God, go against Jesus and blaspheme his name. He, he even said as much that he, he would cause people to blaspheme the name of the Lord and things like that. And he thought he was doing a, an honest service to God. He didn't understand. And instead of Jesus killing him, just removing him, you think the church was probably like, oh, I wish God would. And I guarantee you there was probably a saint somewhere saying, God, take him out before he gets to my town. But instead, the Lord said, I'll just show him something. And so he knocks him down on the Lord and he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul only has one answer. Who are you, Lord? Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Who are you, Lord? When he was in the presence of the Lord, there was nothing he could say or do. But what did he know now? Every preconceived idea he had about God went out the window in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And now he realizes this is the Lord and the Lord blinds him. And he's blind three days, not eating or drinking. He's fasting. And Ananias shows up and uh, the Lord tells him, said, go and tell him. He said, because Paul, this is verse 15, Paul is a chosen vessel unto me. He's a vessel unto me. Uh, to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, children of Israel, and I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Him chosen vessels have to suffer. We're like, ooh, I, I, I like what Peter said. We are a chosen generation. Yeah, when you're chosen, you're going to suffer sometimes, but you're going to suffer for his name, and God's going to be with you, and God's going to get the glory, and God's going to use you because you're a vessel unto him. And so he takes those, those broken vessels and that glorious light of the gospel shines through all those cracks. And people realize, wow, look what God can do. Don't, don't, don't try to pretty it up and, and, and that, God didn't do nothing. Friend, listen, God changed us, saved us from sin and destruction. And there ain't nothing as ugly in your life as sin is. And God washed us and saved us from that and and, and made us into something wonderful. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And we, we're his children. We're his church. We're his body. We're his bride. Praise God. I'm thankful today that God has called us and, and shined the gospel through us. I, hey, I, I, I pastored here long enough, so I know a lot of you. And I know where you've been. I know what you've been through. And, and so I, I know what God's done. But I, it shouldn't just be your pastor knowing what, what went on in your life. Other people ought to be knowing what went on in your life. We are written epistles read of all men. That's who we are. 
to, to declare what he has done. Uh, that's what's written on us. This is what he did for me. And this is what he can do for you. And, and, you know, when we read this, this is what he did for Paul, but that's also what he can do for me. And when I see that for anybody in the scripture, that's what he did. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what he can still do for you and I today. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and just love him. Aren't you thankful for that calling? Aren't you thankful for what the gospel has done in your life? Hallelujah. God, we give you praise in this house this morning. We thank you for that glorious gospel, for that life-changing word. Lord, that we're born again, not a corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, the word of God. Lord, help us, God, to remember where you brought us from, to present ourselves humbly before you, God. Lord, and when you call out who will go, let us be first to lift our hands. Here I am, God. Send me. Send me, God. Let me show somebody what you've done. Let me show somebody how you change a life, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Oh, come on, just love him for a minute. Just pour your heart out on him for a minute. He's a way maker. Miracle worker. Hallelujah. That's who you are, Lord. That's who you are, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I'm so thankful for him. Thankful for him. And I'm thankful for you. Thankful that I get to witness. I love to see anybody's life changed by the Lord. What an encouragement. Every, well, I tell you, it'd be a sad thing to experience this, but then never see it experienced by anybody else. But boy, what a joy it is. If, if heaven's rejoicing, we ought to be rejoicing too. And so I'm glad that we can see God change people's lives. Thankful for it today. Praise God. Let's find a place to pray before the next service. Looking forward. God does some great things. God bless you.